This week, as we continue our walk down the Faith Hall of Fame, we'll be reading from Hebrews chapter 11, looking at two verses, verses 30 to 31. And we'll encounter a couple of fantastic characters in the Old Testament, Joshua and Rahab. The title of the sermon this morning is Faith Does the Unbelievable. God uses these two to do some unbelievable things, but what is more striking to me is how he is at work in them for their benefit. As we examine their stories of faith this morning, I pray that each of us would be struck by the overpowering love of God and how he works on our behalf in unbelievable ways. We read the word of the Lord, Hebrews chapter 11, verses 30 to 31. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Sense the reading, let's pray. God, we thank you for your word, for your word is truth. God, I pray that you would speak through your word this morning, that you would perform the miracle that feeds our souls. We pray all this in your name. Amen. In one of my favorite movies of all time, a little Sicilian, with the help of a giant and a swordsman, captures a princess in an effort to start a war. Now, this little man is, is smart, he's cunning, and, and he has the whole thing planned out, like he's got this puppy down. And from all appearances, the plan is flawless. And yet, as they make their journey with the captive princess, they begin to realize that they are being pursued by a mysterious figure, uh, a man in black. Throughout this pursuit, the man in black is able to overcome every obstacle that that uh, the Sicilian has put in his way. First, that he knows about the kidnapping in the first place. Second, that he has the strength to climb the rope up the cliffs of insanity. Third, that when the rope is cut, he is able to grab onto the rocks and continue the climb without the use, without the help of the rope. Then he bests both the swordsman and the giant, all in his pursuit of the captive princess. And throughout the whole pursuit, every time the pursuer overcomes another obstacle, the Sicilian shakes his head and says, inconceivable. Inconceivable. That is to say, this isn't possible. How, how could this be? This is so crazy that I can't even conceive, I can't even think of a situation in which it makes sense that this is happening. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. I trust that none of us have been planning the abduction of a princess, but there are other areas of life where things that align against us, that are arrayed against us, man, they just seem unbelievable. They feel completely overwhelming and totally ridiculous, and we think to ourselves, how am I going to get past this obstacle? And what is it doing there in the first place? Come on. The unbelievable obstacles in our path, man, they can take many different forms. Maybe they are a disease or a sickness or other health issues that we are dealing with. Maybe it's our job. Maybe you've been called to minister. Or maybe those you've been called to minister to hold beliefs that are very different and 
and even very contradictory to the truth we find in Scripture. Maybe it's financial burden. Maybe it's personal loss. You know, I don't know what the obstacle is for you or or what it will be for you. But I do know what the obstacle was for the people in our text this morning. The huge, incredibly well-defended, massive city of Jericho. There wasn't anything else like it in the ancient world. Many scholars believe that this was the first city that was defended by a wall in this manner. We watch movies of medieval ages and and can visit castles with walls and moats and all these crazy fortifications today. But back then, it was pretty safe to assume that the Israelites had seen nothing like this before. The big gates sealed tight, men standing on these massive walls of stone. How are they going to conquer this obstacle? God wanted them to take this city? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I think of Joshua. He's, he's the lone leader now. Moses is gone. The Lord has instructed or entrusted the conquest, the settling of the promised land into his hands. And, and he alone is the leader. Then the Lord lays out his plan for the defeating of the city of Jericho. And he tells Joshua, take your army, right? Take your army and march around the city. But don't just take the army. Also take the Ark of the Covenant, the golden chest containing the presence of the Lord. And have seven priests with trumpets made of ram's horns go in front of the Ark. Now, now take this group, this, this army and then Ark and, 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 and priests and like before the ark, blowing, blowing trumpets and stuff. Take this army and march once around the city every day for six days. And then on the seventh day, march around the city seven times, the priests blowing their ram's horn trumpets. And after the seventh time around, the priests will give a mighty blast. And then the people will hear this blast. When they hear it, they shall shout. They, 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 they all give out this massive yell, this huge shout in the wall of the city will fall flat. Just think about that for a minute. The walls of this city have seen unbelievable... It's got to seem to be an unbelievable obstacle to the Israelites. They've never seen anything like it before in their lives, but what seem even more unbelievable is God's plan to bring this wall down. You want us to march around the city for a week. And that last day, you want us to march around the city seven times while blowing trumpets. And then we all shout and and the walls just come down. Inconceivable. Like that's unbelievable. That's crazy. How tempting would it be to say, hey, hey, God, like, you know, I, I get that you're all powerful. But don't you understand how walls work? Like, you made this stuff. You should understand, like, how how this stuff functions. Don't you understand why this is such an obstacle, a frustration to me? Don't you understand that that marching and shouting isn't how things get done? I mean, maybe if you talk to my two-year-old, he he would agree that 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 is how things are supposed to get done. But that's that's not how things get done. It's not going to have the effect that you want it to have. Don't you, don't you understand this? Don't you get it? Don't you understand that by doing this, we are going to be made a laughing stock? Like you're making us, everyone's just going to laugh at us. 
They're going to stand at the wall and they're going to like get out the popcorn and they're going to watch us walk around this sucker. for It's nuts. No one is going to be scared of us and our horns and our marching. This is absurd. This is ridiculous. This isn't a viable way to get around this obstacle. It's not a viable way to get around this obstacle. How often have I thought that? God, this isn't a viable way to get around this obstacle. Your provision here, Lord, your, your direction, it doesn't make sense. It, it doesn't hold water. Why would you have me do this? How did the people of Israel respond to the plan? They carried it out. They marched. They blew trumpets. They shouted. And the walls fell. From our text this morning we read, By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. The walls weren't weakened by the ground shaking under the stomping of so many feet. It wasn't advanced sound wave technology working through the trumpets and the voices that caused the walls to fall. It was faith. Faith. Joshua and his people were obedient to the instructions they had been given, even though they looked totally ridiculous, walking around the walls of Jericho and blowing their horns. They did it because that's what they'd been told to do. And they believed it would work. They didn't know how it would work. They just believed it would work. They believed that God would deliver Jericho to them as he had promised. They didn't know how. They didn't know when. But they knew that they'd been given instruction on what to do. You know, maybe they thought that the horns would summon the armies of heaven. I don't know. Who knows? Were they surprised by what happened? Undoubtedly. The hand of God working in our lives is often surprising. And typically not what we would have expected or what makes logical sense to us. And yet we know, we believe that faith does the unbelievable. It does the unbelievable. It's important to remember that the centerpiece of the narrative is the golden ark of the covenant, God's presence. The horns were announcing the presence of God. It was God who circled that city seven times, and it was God who would bring about its downfall. God is with you. His presence is there as you face the impossible and as you prepare to accomplish the unbelievable. Oh, Lord, forgive me for how I so easily get caught up in and intimidated by the obstacles that get in my way that just feel unbelievable. And Lord, forgive me again for when I turn and ridicule the unbelievable ways that you have prepared in order to bring me past them. As I wrestled with this text and and grew to a deeper understanding and respect for Joshua, the people of Israel, and the faith that they had that, that brought down the impenetrable walls of such a powerful city. I was encouraged by the power of faith, but I was also humbled and, and discouraged by what I felt was my own unworthiness of it. How could I, one who wrestles with my own unworthiness, be given faith that can overcome obstacles? I mean, it just seems unbelievable. And then we keep reading our text this morning and come to the character of Rahab. 
The text pulls no punches on this particular woman. It doesn't hold back. It tells us straight up that she is a prostitute. She is someone that sells her body for money. What the text this morning doesn't tell us, but we read in Joshua chapter 2, is that Rahab lived in Jericho. And her house was against the wall of the great city. Now, now Joshua knew that Jericho was on the list to be conquered. So before they even crossed the Jordan River to enter the promised land, he sent out some spies to get some information on this great city. The spies entered the city and in an effort to blend in, they did what typical merchants do. Typical people visiting the city do. They went to the local brothel and got a room. But these guys had been wandering in the desert for, for quite a while and their spy skills were not that great. Rahab knew them for what they were right away. In fact, even the king of Jericho had word that Israelite spies had entered the city and they had entered Rahab's house, and so he sent for them. And Rahab went before the king and told him about the men, that they had come to her. But she didn't know where they were from, and and she told the king that the men had actually already left the city, and if the king's men were to hurry, they might catch them. And though she told this to the king, the reality is that she had hidden the Israelites, the spies, up on her roof. But the king believed her, and he sent his men into the hills to track the Israelite spies. Here's a woman, not an Israelite, but a Canaanite. Not an upstanding, moral woman, but a prostitute. And she has faith. In the Lord God, and this faith caused her to hide the enemy and betray her own people. That's crazy. That's unbelievable. How? Why? What? The answer lies in Joshua chapter 2, verses 9 to 11, where we read that when Rahab returned to the spies hiding in her house, this is what she said to them. She said, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear of you has fallen on us. So that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did in Sihon and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, who you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth below. We know you, she said. For we have heard. We have heard. We have heard of the wondrous and fearful works of your God. We have heard about how he is with you. We have Heard how he is using you to overcome unbelievable obstacles. We have heard. As I read those words of of Rahab, how can I think of anything else but what Paul wrote in in Romans chapter 10, verse 7, what name read this morning. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word about Christ. God isn't changing his tactics, right? We don't, we don't find faith. We aren't worthy of it. It's given to us. It's, it's given to us through our baptism. And it's, it's given to us through the word of God, through hearing his message of love and forgiveness, through hearing of how he has overcome unbelievable obstacles on behalf of his children. 
Rahab heard and she believed. Rahab believed. Rahab had faith in a God she had never been taught about when she was growing up. But she heard the stories and she had faith. Faith active in our lives does not mean that we are perfect. I mean, look at it. Rahab's first act of faith was to lie. She told the king the spies were gone when they were actually hiding on her roof. Living by faith does not mean living perfectly. Because we are sinful people. Our walks of faith are often salted, flavored with sin. The Holy Spirit will continue to work on each of us, convicting us of that sin and and weeding it out as we continue our walks of faith. But let us not ridicule someone's faith due to the sin in their life, but instead praise God for the faith that he has given and pray for the brother and sister as they battle that sin that they are dealing with. Rahab's Rahab's example of faith tells us that there is hope for people where no one, not even ourselves, would ever dream of it. There is no one who is too bad, too sinful, or too ignorant to be saved or to be given the gift of faith. And man, that's kind of crazy, isn't it? In a culture where you earn what you get, where, where we are told that we must be worthy of the love that is given us, where how we present ourselves and the things that we say and the things that we know determine how we fit into society. In a culture where, where what you do and say resembles so much of what you are worth to society, this, this concept of being a dirty, rotten sinner and still being loved and valued by God and still living in faith is, well, it's, it's unbelievable. We struggle to believe it. And yet here we have the story of Rahab, a prostitute in the faith hall of fame, whose first, whose first act of faith was to sin, was to lie. And in her story, we find hope for all us sinners with our still developing, imperfect, stumbling, selfish faith. There's so much to love and be encouraged by in this story, but I think one of my favorite parts is the classic symbol that revealed Rahab's great faith. The scarlet cord that hung from her window. You see, after she returned from her visit with the king, after she confessed her faith to the spies, she helped them escape by throwing a scarlet, a deep red cord out her window. And the spies climbed down it and disappeared into the hills. But before they left, they promised Rahab that if she hung this same red rope out her window on the day that the city was conquered, everyone within the walls of her house would be safe. A scarlet, a blood red rope. The word rope in Hebrew, when we encounter it in the scriptures, is often translated as hope. So from that perspective, Rahab hung her scarlet hope out her window to signify her faith. Many theologians have have drawn a parallel to the rope or the hope that, that Rahab put in being marked by the scarlet cord to the hope that the Israelites put in the blood that marked their doors at Passover. 
Francis Schaeffer put it this way. He writes, When the children of Israel were about to leave Egypt, they were given the blood of the Passover lamb under which to be safe. When the people were about to enter the land, they were met by a different but parallel sign. A red cord hanging from the window of an unbeliever. Or I mean, of a believer, man alive. Come on, Daniel. Rahab's house was marked in scarlet that she might survive judgment. Much like the houses of the Israelites were marked in scarlet that dark night in Egypt, then that death might pass over them. Much like we are marked with the scarlet blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that we might be justified before God. In the movie, The Princess Bride, every time the man in black overcomes an obstacle, Vizzini, the Sicilian, shouts in disbelief, inconceivable, exclaiming, I I can't believe that this is happening. It's unheard of. At one point, the Spaniard, the hired sword, turns to him and says, you keep using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. Church, friends, though I am loath to be compared and to compare you to a princess named Buttercup, that is who we are in this story. But you see, we are not pursued by a man in black, but a shepherd in white. And every obstacle that is put in his way, everything that would keep us from his love, he has overcome. Our sin, our unworthiness, he has forgiven it. He took it to the cross and and there he died for it so that we could have a relationship with God, not because of what we have done, but because of his great love for us. It's unbelievable. And yet we still wrestle with sin. Even even though it has been defeated, I still find myself defeated at times when I give in to it. And yet, we know that God still works through us. As he has outlined in his word to us this morning. He used the imperfect faith, or the the faith of imperfect Rahab to accomplish his goals. Not, Not just the goals of conquering Jericho, but the goals of saving her life. God uses the faith of the imperfect to accomplish his divine purpose. That's unbelievable. And those obstacles that are in your way, the ones that you know about but but may not be public knowledge, that the sin, the sickness, the pain, the hurt, the fear, whatever it may be, it, it cannot stand up against faith. God's purpose will be accomplished. It may be humiliating. It may mean walking around a city of stone walls blowing trumpets, but through faith, the obstacle will be overcome. That's unbelievable. And if we hear ourselves using that word over and over again, it may be time to reflect and to say to ourselves, you keep using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. For all things are possible with God. Through the faith that he has given us and to the purpose for which he has called us. For faith does the unbelievable. What a wonderful 
fantastic, loving, and powerful God we serve. Amen.